0: Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome
1: to the Unbillable Hour, the practice advisory podcast helping attorneys achieve success on their terms. We're glad you can listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I am your host, Christopher Anderson. I'm an attorney with a singular passion for helping other lawyers be more successful with their law firm businesses. My team and I work directly with lawyers across the country to help them achieve success, again, as they define it. In the unbillable hour each month, we explore an area important to growing revenues, giving you back more of your time and or improving your professional satisfaction in one of the key areas of your business. Listen, I'm an attorney who has built and managed my own law firms. Now I get to work with hundreds of law firm owners to help them grow professionally and personally. Your law firm business should exist to provide for the financial, personal, and professional needs of you, its owner. In this program, I have a chance to speak to you, as I do in presentations across the country, and with the team at How to Manage a Small Law Firm, about what it takes to build and operate your law firm like the business that it is. I have a chance to introduce you to a new guest each month to talk about how to make that business work for you, instead of the other way around. And today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is CLEs That Don't Suck. One of the requirements to maintaining your bar certificate, that is to say your right to practice law, is engaging in continuing legal education. Since it is an absolute requirement, it seems like providers are marketing a service that allows attorneys to mark it done. The focus has not traditionally been on actually delivering value or a delightful experience. In other words, they tend to suck. My guest today is Jason Castillo, Director of Legal Education of AttorneyCredits.com, a company that brings interesting CLEs to lawyers across the United States. Clearly, Jason has a point of view on this topic, so let's explore with him how to make the CLE experience a better one.
2: Christopher, I appreciate it, and thank you so much for having me here today.
1: My absolute pleasure. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour. First of all, Jason, I, I know that my introduction of you was really, really brief. Could you just explain to the audience what got you interested in CLEs in the first place?
2: Well, uh, it was a really great opportunity for me. Uh, Out of law school, I did a little bit of traveling uh, when I was done and I lived abroad once I graduated from the University of San Diego. And uh, when I came back into the job market after a few years being out of school, I kind of had a choice between a a few different paths to go through. And uh, I I was lucky enough in 2006 to get the opportunity to basically start this website from scratch. and, uh, And here I am today. So it's so, kind of a perfect marriage for me because I love learning and I love growing and, and I get to work with attorneys around the country that are top on their game.
1: Yeah. Was there like a big pain point that you identified that like made you feel like this is something you needed to solve?
2: Uh, it wasn't exactly that I needed to solve. I just thought it was a perfect niche for me. And uh, and back in 2006, it was great as well because I sort of have a you know computer background. Uh, although I did go to law school, I lived in a house with a bunch of uh, programmers and designers and computer people. So back in 2006, it was kind of the perfect transition time because CLE was kind of transitioning from the old, you know, live format into the online arena.
1: Right. And so, I mean, that is a great segue. CLE is delivered in those two primary ways today, right? There used to be videotape and there used to be audio tape, but primarily lawyers are getting it either live or by uh, some electronic means through typically over the internet. What do you see as what's wrong with the delivery, the traditional delivery of CLE today?
2: Honestly, I would sort of double back on the question. I don't think that there is a a ton wrong with, with traditional CLE. There's great stuff out there. There's great programs. There's great providers, great educators and faculty. And you can get it at a great price point. And that's funny because you know we're talking about CLEs that don't suck. I think that the issue is that the attorneys' attitudes about CLE is what sucks. How so? Well, I feel that a lot of attorneys, and, and I'm a licensed attorney myself, so I, I don't practice
1: so, just, just so we keep it in mind, Jason, we're too, please, please, please explain to the audience how their attitude to CLEs suck. I think it, that's great.
2: Well, really what it is for me, and this is a lot of people that, you know, law school alumni that I know, people I went to school with. I, I really feel that a lot of people think or a lot of attorneys when they get out of law school I really think that they they know everything they need to know and once you take the bar you don't ever want to study for anything again and you never want to take another test and to me that's just such a short-sighted way to look at things because uh, you know if you get out of the school and you practice for 40 years you you tell me that nothing changes in 40 years and you know everything you need to know as soon as you graduate
1: from law school But so if that's the general attitude, that must affect how the market tries to deliver the solution, right? So if people don't have much respect for the CLE that they're getting, how has the market answered that?
2: Well, the market has answered it by sort of just providing, uh, you know, bare bones, whatever the attorney might need. And it really does kind of fall into a two attorney camps because there are those attorneys that just see it as a necessary evil and they have to get it done and they got to get their credits to keep their license And, you know, there is a nice segment of
1: people that do actually utilize CLE as a tool in their professional practice to grow and learn. And so, like, based on that, how do you think looking at CLE differently can help lawyers, particularly listeners to this show, who tend to be focused on growing their business, improving their business? How can consuming CLEs differently help them?
2: In in so many different avenues, in so many different ways, there's... (laughs) There's so many different ways that you can improve yourself. And that's, you know, I I try to improve every day I show up to work or every week, every month I try to get better. I try to learn more skills because that makes me better at my job. It makes me understand the attorneys we're working with better. And especially in this day and age when things are moving so fast and there are so many changes that are affecting, you know, either in society that's going to affect the practice of law or maybe in a fast moving body of law, like with technology law. You constantly have to learn and grow and, and add, you know, new tools to your tool belt so you can be a better practitioner.
1: But it sort of sounds like you're advocating that CLE providers kind of start to lead attorneys a little bit by the nose and say, hey, guys, you're missing out. I know this is a requirement. I know that you have to do this, but you're you're missing out on an opportunity to actually improve your business. Is that what you're saying?
2: That's exactly what
1: I'm saying. And so, how do you take? I mean, to me, I'm like thinking about this as sort of like going to the DMV to have my emissions inspection. Right? (laughs) I, I can't drive my car every year. Like every year, I have to stop driving my car unless I go and do this thing. And I have like zero respect for doing it. I want what I my my requirements for getting my emissions inspected is cheap, and fast, and painless. You're kind of saying like the emissions inspector should like try to instead of allow me to think that way to say, hey, if you come here, we're going to improve your life in another way. We're going to actually take this emissions inspection and make your car run better. Exactly. How can you do that? how can, what, what can you bring or what can other not just you, but what do you feel like CLE providers across the country can do to change attorneys attitude towards the continuing legal education process?
2: Well, I think that's where we have to continually offer new and better programming that's responsive to what's going on for today's attorneys. I mean, essentially, we have to deliver CLEs that don't suck. And to me, it's funny because I know that a lot of people complain about the CLE and they don't want to have to take it. But when you see leading by the nose, that's my job for the last 10 years, in a sense, has been to give CLE a good name. And with almost Every person that uses our website, almost every attorney that I talk to, whether it's a support call or, you know, they need a little help or they're just calling in uh, to check on their coursework, almost everyone I talk to inevitably, the conversation ends like this. They say, well, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed some of your CLE courses. So they've been so pre-programmed to hate it when they actually get something that's beneficial, interesting, or informative. It's almost a dirty word for them to, to say that they actually like taking the CLE. And I would say 60 to 80 percent of the calls of the people I talk to, that's what we get. And really, you know, that's where the, the online model is a really excellent model. Because if you, you know, if you do the live, uh, you know, say you go to the live local bar association, well – that local bar association is only going to be able to draw from maybe, you know, an area of 10 or 20 miles. They're just going to get some local lawyers in their area. But with our website, we work with attorneys all over the country and even, you know, around the world. We have take people outside of America. So we get some of the best presenters in the entire country. And it's right there at your computer for you. So we're not even limited geographically by who or what we can offer. We can go and cherry pick and pull the best presenters from New York, the best presenters from California the best presenters from Illinois, and bring that to you right at your fingertips, on demand, anytime.
1: That's a really interesting point. So because you can scale the audience, you can bring in better speakers, more educational, more, maybe, you know, for lack of a better word, more entertaining. But, you know, I don't mean that in a light way, but um, we've all been to lectures that are, we've all been to, to school, and, you know, some professors are, deliver good content, but puts you to sleep. Some professors are entertaining, but don't present much in the way of content. But then you've got that that rare exception, uh, you know, like like coming to my mind right now, someone like, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? Yeah. Who, can, who can be incredibly informative and incredibly educational um, at the same time. And so by scaling the audience, you're able to deliver that quality or, you know, that kind of quality, and not just you. I mean, every, anybody who's doing it online has the capability to improve the content. Um, of what's being delivered. So, so is that what you're saying? Exactly. Cool. So the online CLE delivery is not... New. It's something that's been going on for a while, and like I said, you know, I've been an attorney. Uh, I graduated law school myself. I should probably shouldn't say this to my audience, but I've graduated law school. Let's just say more than twenty years ago. Um, and uh, you know, I've taken CLEs for all that time. Yes, the bars. I have taken CLEs during all that time, and uh, I've taken them live. I've taken them by. You know, there were times where you could actually go down to the CLE department and check out a videotape, um, and then and then you'd have to bring it back, right? And then then there was a time where they'd actually mail you a CD, and you didn't have to. Send it back, and then there came online. What do you see as the trends today? Is online continuing to develop? Is there anything going on differently about it?
2: You know, online is continuing to develop, and it will continue to develop. And, And really, in that respect, what I found as far as a changing attitude is that I found that there are quite a few attorneys out there that are technophobes. They simply don't like technology. They, you know, they they don't even send emails. Some of these people that I talk to. So I think what's coming around more than anything is the lawyers' attitudes regarding technology and people are finally starting to think, hey, this isn't something that's just going to go away. This isn't a fad. The technology is, is here. You have to learn and grow with it. So right now the, oh, the big component, there's some interactivity to some of the online. And, and I really think that as the technology becomes more available, it will become more interactive uh, You know, five, ten years from now. We could be sitting here having a CLE course right in front of, you know, somebody could broadcast right from their living room or from, you know, from a studio or from a, a board or conference room and people would probably, probably be able to join in right there with them online, just like we're doing right now.
1: Yeah. And so, I want to talk about that. The you know the different ways that people could be consuming it, and the and the ways that the content could be created definitely are improving. What about the actual engagement of the audience? Um, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit more after the break about different learning styles and uh, how how we need to address those. But just sticking to the technology side of the question, what can technology do today, and what do you see as a trend for being able to keep the audience engaged?
2: Well, I really think as far as engagement goes. You can sit there. That's the beauty of learning online. You can engage with the material as you're learning it. You can look things up. You can, you can look case laws and statutes. Um, you know, we give the uh, the attorneys the ability to phone or email the presenter at any time. Um, so that can make it interactive in that sense. And then uh, we don't provide it because we're all on-demand programming. But something that we're moving to is to be more like uh, like a webinar, so where you can have instant contact with the presenter. And, and that's something that we'll be moving into hopefully next year in early 2017. And other providers do offer that as well, whether it's webcast format or whether it's a, you know like a social media chat style. Uh, but there are different ways for interactivity as well.
1: Yeah. All right. So one of the other things, one of the trends that I've noticed, um, certainly in the states in which I uh, have CLE responsibilities, is that the bar associations and the uh, continuing legal education directors keep layering on additional requirements. Like when I started this, basically you had to take your CLE hours. Yeah. And then there was, well, you have to also add your ethics hours. And then there was and, and oh yeah, you have to also do a professionalism hour, which are hard to get. And then oh my goodness, yeah, you know, if you're going to be in court, you actually have to do some litigation or trial practice hours. And now I've been seeing a trend of adding technology, you know, the the American Bar Association added uh, a comment to the model rules of professional conduct that says that technological competence is part of the bar requirements, and that you you, you must be technologically proficient in order to satisfy the bar rule for competence. What have you seen or what are you experiencing as far as trends concerning adding technology and adding these other layers of different kinds of CLE that people have to take?
2: Well, I think it's responsive to society and what's going on, you know, in the world, and that's where with the technology component. I work with attorneys every day you know, online. I, I help out attorneys as old as 80 and 90 years old, you know, navigate the online format and view online videos. But then I also have talked to attorneys that are much younger, and they don't have a clue on when it comes to something as simple as social media or, or email or. The most basic technological concepts. Uh, one time I talked to an attorney who didn't have an email address. He was using his neighbor's email address. Wow. And this, is two, this was a couple of years back, but it was 2014. It, to me, it was dumbfounding that you couldn't have an email address. How do your clients contact you? How do you get documents from the court? How do you send and receive things electronically?
1: And have you seen, as a result of that, more demand for technology CLEs, like actual uh, content involving uh, the use of technology in the practice of law?
2: Well, unfortunately, those people that aren't completely, you know, tech unsavvy—they're not the ones seeking those courses out. They're the ones that really need it, but they don't think they need it. Is what it? So they don't even know what they need, essentially, or they don't think it's important to them. Uh, what I've seen, the attorneys that I've seen leverage technology. And really utilize, you know, these new developments are the smart, savvy attorneys that realize it gives them a competitive leg up in the marketplace. If you go into a personal injury case and you don't understand how to use social media, you don't understand how to use Twitter, your Facebook, you're missing a treasure trove of evidence. If you don't know how to at least, you know, find an expert to harvest electronic or ESI off of a cell phone, laptop, or computer, you're doing your client a disservice. And I run into attorneys almost weekly where they you know, they had a case and they're, they're amazed that the other side didn't ask for this piece of evidence or that they didn't bring this issue up because I think they just pull an ostrich approach. And if they don't understand the technology, they just bury their head in the sand. And the real smart, savvy attorneys are the ones that are out there gaining that advantage on the sort of uh, unsavvy attorneys when it comes to technology.
1: And do you believe that, like, the continuing legal education providers such as yourself can play a role in driving more of that knowledge, more of that experience, more of that capability into the uh, into the legal service providers?
2: Oh, a huge role. We, You know, we just worked with a provider to produce an excellent course on uh, ethical issues in e-discovery and, uh, and social media. And the whole course is about how to ethically harvest the information from people's Facebook accounts. You know, there's been uh, cases like a Virginia case. It's, in legal circles it's known as the iheart mom case
1: uh-huh.
2: where uh, the plaintiff's attorney advised his client to delete information off of his facebook account including the iheart mom's case it's a, it's, it was a, wrong, a wrongful death suit and uh, the right. uh, the plaintiff's wife had had died and so they deleted information off of his facebook page and that's you're 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 destroying evidence it's it might be electronic but it's still electronic evidence and yeah, if so I'm not mistaken, that award was reduced from like $9 million to, I mean, they greatly reduced the award. The attorney uh, himself, I believe, was sanctioned and maybe even suspended. And so that's somebody that doesn't understand what they're doing because they counseled their client to act illegally and they destroyed evidence.
1: So with leadership of continuing legal education providers, we really can begin a movement and continue a movement to make CLE, rather than just a requirement, something that not only improves the knowledge and the uh, expertise of the lawyer, but it sounds like they can really protect their business and help them grow their business by establishing themselves with greater experience and expertise, not only in technology, but even in the substantive practice of law.
2: Oh, exactly. And, and you know, even skills-based, there's so many areas where you can improve your game, you know, as a lawyer and improve your practice in today's world.
1: Cool. Uh, one of the other things I want to talk about is different kinds of learning. There's been some studies done and some research done, some articles that I've read, and I think you have as well, regarding the fact that a methodology of learning that doesn't seem to be particularly effective is the sit in the room or, quite honestly, sit in front of your computer and listen to some person, a man or a woman, talk at you for 50 minutes um, or an hour, depending on the state, uh, if you're a 50-minute state or a 60-minute state, and then you know, be finished uh, and, and or maybe have a chance for 10 minutes of Q&A. The studies that I've read have shown that that's particularly ineffective and that what is a much more effective way of learning is when the learner has a chance to actually implement, engage, use, problem-solve during the presentation. In fact, one of the studies I read said something like uh, after about 10 minutes into a hour-long lecture, people start to basically tune out. Like they don't, I think the word that was used was they don't assimilate uh, the knowledge past about that 10 minute mark. What do you think can be done in delivery of continuing legal education to address that?
2: Well, again, uh, I think uh, to a certain part, even when I attend these live presentations, the lawyers aren't interactive when I go to half of them. They don't don't ask questions, they just sit there. So again, it's really up to the person to make it interactive. Um, You know, if you're watching an online CLE, We have a number of presenters, well, they'll they'll actually stop what they're doing and they'll they'll run you through an exercise. Uh, You know, it might be like uh, we just did a really excellent course on handwriting authentication where they walked you through three or four exercises during the course of the online video. So every 15 minutes there was a pause in the content, a pause in the break, and they asked you to respond to uh, something that the presenter was asking. So that was, to me, a very interactive approach to the online format.
1: So the listeners, the participants in the continuing legal education actually got to do something to assimilate and then actually use the knowledge in a practical way during the presentation?
2: Correct. And that's really what we go for is, you know, a lot of our market is solos and small firm attorneys, you know, people that they want to feel like they got something when they when they get up from that chair, when they leave the lecture. And that's our whole goal is to impart them with a practical skill or some type of takeaway, you know, whether it's it's being, you know, more persuasive or, you know, using different vocal tones in court, or whether it's, you know, filling out immigration paperwork. They'll walk you through the documents on how to fill it out. So the presenter themselves online is interactive in a sense. And it's funny to me because, you know, people say, oh, it's just a 50-minute talk, and then they ask questions for 10 minutes. Well, when I go to a lot of these, again, it's the lawyer's attitude. They don't want to interact. They'll ask for questions and nobody will even raise their hand in a room of 100 people or they'll ask ask for an opinion or they'll ask for, you know, has anybody done this before? And, And nobody wants to even raise their hand. So I would impart that the lawyers need to treat the learning more interactive. It's not the learning that's wrong. Again, it's the lawyer's attitude that needs to be adjusted.
1: Yeah, but to that extent, I mean, I think, you know, we've, speaking as, as an attorney, I think we've been trained really well that this is how it's done, right? Law school is done this way, uh, and lectures are done this way. And we're just trained to sort of sit there, take it in, and, you know, the, how interactive you are in the training that we've gotten. And it, it doesn't have any correlation with how successful you are afterwards. So Yeah,
2: and I was thinking about that great point because I was even thinking about, you know, what's the learning that we do in law school, right? It's a Socratic method. Where they don't want to give you any answers, you know, everybody needs to come up. And and people in law school, all they do is is say how much they can't stand the Socratic method and they just want to be taught the answers and they just want to know what to do. (laughs) You know, so even that is sort of more interactive and sparking discussion. And, And even in our training before, we're attorneys, people sort of revolt against that.
1: All right, well, so let's put you in the shoes of Henry Ford then, right? <laughs> you know, Henry Ford famously said, and this is, you know, basically commentary on the development of products. I think Steve Jobs would have thought very much the same way in that, you know, at the end of the day, when the masses, when the consumer is trained to consume a product in a particularly undelightful way, it takes sometimes a leader, somebody to innovate and then lead the market to the water so that they can teach the people, teach the lawyers, teach the consumers Uh, what they want because they don't know it. So putting yourself in Henry Ford's shoes, who said, you know, if I had listened to my customers, I would have built a faster horse, Um, or or Steve Jobs, (laughs) yeah, yeah, or Steve Jobs, who said, you know, basically that the consumers don't know what they want until I show it to them. But I think that was around the commentary around the iPhone, which was completely uh, revolutionary. You know, get your crystal ball out. What could CLE service providers, particularly online service providers, do to change this training, to change the dynamic, to change the way lawyers think about this and to get engaged.
2: Well, and I think that that's, as the technology becomes cheaper, more readily available, uh, you know, able to process information faster, the online environment's only going to get better and better. You know, 10 or 15 years ago, it was completely on-demand programming. You just brought up a video and that was it. And then as the technology sort of caught up and became better, now we're moving into webinars where... It's not exactly video, but you get the audio. You can type along with the person. And and I would say within five to ten years, you're going to be able to sit in a virtual classroom where you're going to be right there with the presenter online. They're going to be there with you. So you can engage with the presenter and other participants probably just like you'll be able to to be in a a real live room. And that's where the growth will take. It just needs sort of the technology to catch up with it because – Over time, you know, as Moore's Law takes place and the the technology increases, it gets cheaper and more efficient. And so then the technology providers can offer a better product because we can offer it at a price point that attorneys can afford.
1: Do you ever see like telepresence or uh, actual ability to interact in a virtual reality kind of way coming into play?
2: I think we could get there. Uh, I know that there's people that have already kind of tried to go down that path, and, and like you're saying, I think more than anything else, it's just the market's resistance to it. I've actually seen a provider where it was completely virtual. If anybody's familiar with like Minecraft or any of the you know 3D virtual worlds, he had built a 3D university where you had a you had a little character and you went through, and there was a library and a lecture. So in that sense, they were actual you know a 3D character online. I think it's going to almost get to that point where you're going to be maybe not so much that way, but maybe in a video sense, you're going to be right there engaging with other participants and the presenter as well.
1: Yeah. So that's something that could really, I think, impact it. The more people can feel involved in the process. But you know, speaking to one of your earlier points, I think it's really an important one that you made is you know, we've been talking about what can online service providers do to change the dynamic? What can online service providers do to really change the rubric of how people interact with their continuing legal education. But it really struck me what you said, because one of the things I do is I actually go around the country and teach continuing legal education at various bar associations and uh, other venues across uh, the United States. And what you're saying is right. I mean, no matter sometimes how engaging, and I, I I think I'm kind of engaging. I think I'm one of those guys that delivers content and entertainment. But sometimes getting the first person to ask a question can be like pulling a tooth. After the the first person, it goes well. But sometimes it's really, you know, they just, you're done talking, they're ready to leave, and, and it can be a little bit difficult to engage them in the process. All as a lead up to say that one of the things I think that is a shame about continuing legal education is you walk into any lawyer's office... And very often, what you'll find is a shelf with the CLE materials from all the CLEs that they've been to, and those CLE materials look really, really good. Like they have not moved off that shelf or been, you know, the spines are intact. Um, if they, if it's a book, um, you know, if it's like a brochure or a, um, a workbook, like you know, there's no bending, there's no, there's no spindling. These things are looking beautiful because they go on the shelf and they never ever come down. Can CLE be something that can be more uh, useful after the education's done where it can be used as a reference and provide some continuing value to the attorney?
2: Oh, most definitely. And uh, I mean I've received calls where – we got a call from a guy that hadn't used our website in six years and he needed – he had a case or he had an issue with hard money loans and he remembered taking our course six years ago. And we don't even have the course online anymore, but I had to go back into our database, pull out the written materials for him, and I sent that over to him. And and that's a big part of our business is that, you know, obviously we need to keep the lights on and the doors open, but we're here to help people be better attorneys by educating them and giving them more tools. And so one thing that we do when they take a streaming video online when they're finished, they have a full one-year review period to go back on and review that material. And I've talked to countless attorneys that... You know, maybe they had a retainer agreement issue come up, and they took this course two years ago, and then they go back and pull up the written materials, and here's James King, you know, one of the foremost ethics experts in the country, has two-hour course on retainer agreements. So it, it can be a treasure trove of information even after, because it sticks in your head, and then you think, oh, I took that great online course, and you know, if you took, if you went to a live lecture. And you probably wouldn't even be able to remember the person's name or you would think, oh, I I don't even have the materials for that. But with our website, you come back on and access the materials even a year after you've taken it. And and even what I tell a lot of people, we we offer downloadable formats as well. So you can download any of the copies as an MP3 and audio format. They can download any of the copies as an MP4 video format. So whenever I talk to attorneys, I tell them, hey, if it's something that you think you're really going to need in your practice or it's going to be valuable for you, Download a copy of the video, you're going to have it in perpetuity right there on your computer. You can access it at any time.
1: Yeah, I think that could be really useful, especially if there's, yeah, there's content that is, like you said, can actually help them in a case or help them with their business. One last pain point I'd like to talk about is, you know, I'm, I'm a member of a bar in more than one state. Um, and I, you know, more and more attorneys that I run into that's true of as, uh, you know, as the practice of law kind of broadens out and people practice all over. Um, and one of the headaches that I think I have, and I'm sure a lot of other people have, is keeping up. Have I done my hours? Have I re- covered the requirements in all the jurisdictions in which I practice? Have I gotten my professionalism requirement? Have I got my ethics requirement? Have I gotten my trial practice requirement? Um, what can CLE service providers, particularly online ones, do to help with that management of your hours to make sure that you're getting it all in?
2: Uh, I think that there's a couple different key areas where providers can help, and and that's kind of the beauty of what we do too. Is that with attorneys, like you mentioned, you know, if you're licensed in New York, a lot of times the attorney's licensed in New York and New Jersey, or you know, we get a lot of attorneys are they're New York and Florida, or New York and California, and as you mentioned, some of these attorneys, some attorneys are licensed in seven, eight, nine, ten different states, and yet mm-hmm. every single state has different requirements, different you know cycles, different ethics requirements. And so we offer CLE in 48 states. And so with a lot of the courses, they can take one course, and that course is accredited in five different states, so they can get five different certificates for taking one course. So that's one big area where we can help you maintain compliance with one course in multiple states. And then in addition, what I love about our business and our company with attorney credits is we're constantly growing and improving. So, anytime we have an issue, anytime there's a small thing that pops up, we put it in our notes. And we're going to come out with our third major revision to the website. It's going to be so much smarter and responsive. So, for example, Christopher, in California, you have to get 25 total credit hours.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, each year?
2: I'm sorry, let me back up. Every 25 two years. credit hours every three years, exactly. Three years okay. three year cycle. And so, California is one of the few states that have different credit types. So, they have self study participatory credit. So what do a lot of attorneys do? Unfortunately, they'll take all self-study courses. So we realize this. So we're going to put a system in place where it tracks the credit you've accumulated. And when you get to 12.5 hours of self-study, it won't let you take self-study anymore.
1: Ah, to help them from overdoing that because they have to go get the remainder has to be live.
2: No, to participatory just means that the provider verifies your participation so they can gotcha. see participatory online. We just have to put certain checks in place to make sure that they're there. You know, or, or a cal, you know any any state, New York, say so you have 24 credit hours, four of those have to be legal ethics. Our system and the next revamp is going to be so smart, it'll send you emails telling you that you don't have enough ethics yet. You know, it, it'll tell you, it's so smart, it'll send you emails telling you, hey, you only got 60 days left to take your courses and you haven't started anything yet. So we're getting to the point now where our website with the next version is going to be so responsive, it's going to track your CLE for you.
1: That would be beautiful. Coming towards the end of the program, uh, Jason, one thing I'd like to ask you to do is just like, if you could just like, basically, if we were live, I'd say, turn to the audience, but speak to the audience directly, if you will. And just Tell them, how can attorneys become better consumers of continuing legal education? And by better consumers, I mean by how can they get more value out of the service that people like you and other continuing legal education service providers give?
2: Well, I think you have to start with the proposition that not all CLE does suck, that CLE can be a huge developmental tool for your practice professionally, and it can make you a better lawyer. And if you're a better lawyer, you have better client service. At the end of the day, you're gonna you're gonna be a happier lawyer. You're gonna make more money at the end of the day, and you're gonna have a better name in your legal community against other attorneys and other and, and potential clients as
1: well. Great. Well, thank you. Our guest today has been Jason Castillo. Jason, can you uh, give people your Twitter handle?
2: Yeah, if you're looking for us on Twitter, it's going to be at Attorney Credits.
1: And of course, your website is www.attorneycredits.com. Correct. Excellent. At Attorney Credits. Well, our guest today has been Jason Castillo. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you so much, Christopher.
1: Thank you very much. And this is Christopher Anderson. And I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thank you for joining me. And I'll be talking with you
0: again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition. Right here with Legal Talk Network.
1: Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award winning on demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design.